Welcome to another edition of Nebraska Gems. I'm Mike Melby. With Halloween just days away, we thought it would be interesting to talk with someone who has an extensive background in the supernatural, more specifically, ghost hunting. The Lincoln Historical Ghost Quest was started in 2015 and provides ghost tours and many paranormal investigations, be it a stroll around the state capitol neighborhood, an adventure through the Haymarket in downtown Lincoln, or a ghost hunt at James Arthur Vineyards, maybe even a private investigation. You are sure to be amazed at what you will find out during one of their events. My guest on this episode of Nebraska Gems is the founder of the Lincoln Historical Ghost Quest, Ronnie Willis. Ronnie, welcome to our podcast. Thank you. Now, I kind of want to start out with how you became interested in the paranormal. Was it a fascination that you had from being a little kid? Was there an experience that you had? What got you into wondering what is on the other side? Um, that is a good question. I've always been interested in paranormal since I was a child. I didn't have quite an early on experiences that some people may have had in their lives. I've just had a kind of a connection with the curiosity of the unknown. Ever since I was little, I could never explain it. And it wasn't until I got a little bit older, probably I would say about 11 or 12, that I had had some paranormal experiences, things that I couldn't explain. At that time, I kind of delved into doing a little bit more research into the paranormal. So I started out fairly young with just trying to find the answers to the things that I had experienced, to things that I've seen, to the things that I felt. But there was one question that I was never able to fully answer myself and why I had such a deep connection to the paranormal. I just felt very strongly uh, pulled into it since a young age. Uh, I did find out, however, later on in life that uh, a great grandmother of mine had actually uh, was believed to be what they considered a empath or um, also a spiritual healer. Didn't get to really know my great-grandmother. She had passed away when I was about a year old. But from the stories that I've heard from her, she was very in tuned to the energies within the environment and her surroundings, that she also was in tune to understanding and having a deeper insight and awareness into people. But also um, as a healer, it was thought that she was able to predict in ways that someone was sick or is about to pass away before any of the physical symptoms started. Um, and the late 1800s, it was not typical for women to hold medical degrees, but she had one of those caring hearts where she really wanted to help people in need. And so she did do a lot of tending to the sick in the community as well as deliver babies. Um, she was just one of those people that really inspired other people, just a, a natural, caring person, but also had a lot of spiritual beliefs that maybe wasn't very acceptable back then. What was interesting is, though, I never really met her, but I also share some of those beliefs that she had, but never really fully understood where they came from. And so I've just had a paranormal interest since a child that I think probably stemmed from, from, you know, along the line of my generation within my family. 
It's interesting that connection that you have with family. You mentioned that when you were pretty young, the eight, nine, 10 years old, that there was a couple of experiences that you had. Can you please walk me through the first or second experience that you had with, with the supernatural or the paranormal? Yeah. So I would say one of the first experiences I had was out in B, Nebraska. I had a friend that had lived in an old farmhouse um, and we would go visit her, uh, my brother and I. Um, she also had a brother. And so we all had became friends and we would stay over the night at her house with her family. And um, even then, like I said, I had a strong pull in anything paranormal, anything spooky. So we would go walking down the country road at times when I would stay over there and we would just happen to come across um, an old abandoned church. And then there was an old abandoned house short ways away, about a half of a mile. And um, as we got to the house that we stopped at, we had noticed that there was a car outside um, that had magazines in there, um, as well as a cross. My friend decided to take the cross. She thought that it was kind of a pretty neat gift, so to speak. I didn't feel very comfortable with her taking it, but she took it anyways. Along the way, as we were walking back to her house, she had actually fell and twisted her ankle pretty bad. Um, I just had quite a bit of negative vibes from that. Just felt like something was off, wasn't right. Um, actually became really anxious and fearful of just her having the cross. When we got to her home, her brother, who was three years old, was playing with the window in his room, and the window came down and actually shattered on his hand, um, which required him to go to the hospital. Um, and the other event that had happened the same time was that her stepfather was grilling on the grill, which caught fire. So to me, I instantly paid attention to all these things and felt like this, something is really definitely wrong here. My first inclination was to get the cross away. Um, and that was to actually bury the cross away from the property. Thankfully, the negative things had stopped happening. So when I talk about paranormal, it isn't always a cut and dry, just ghosts and hauntings, but there could be other things that could be occurring that may say there's something going on here that we can't fully explain. And in this case, it was, you know, negative events that took place that was unique. And I just kind of felt like a, just kind of a bad situation. So that's one of the negative experiences. Uh, another one was also within the same town of B, Nebraska, which was a farmhouse across from where my friend had lived, was a very old farmhouse. And again, we used to like trekking and just, you know, wandering around, looking at things. I've had a extreme interest in history as well as a child. And we were going into the home, which was very very old and very unstable, very unsafe. Uh, we were able to make it up to what looked like an attic, but it had been turned into a bedroom. And in that bedroom, there was two beds that looked like twin size beds. And one of the beds we noticed that looked like a huge, almost rusty red spot, which is kind of a very odd place for being in a bed. I didn't really know a whole lot back at that time. You know, I've never seen dried blood, never had any experiences with that. But again, I felt something was, was off about the situation. Instantly, there was that spook factor. 
we got out of there and then there was a shed on the property as well that we went ahead and just kind of rifled through the shed a little bit um, and discovered some newspaper clippings that was actually tied to the, the farmhouse. Um, in those newspaper clippings, they had talked about a murder that had taken place inside that home prior. And so for me, it was kind of a spook factor, but there were times where staying at this friend's house we would look out her window, which was on the second floor, and you could see right across the road into the, the home. And you'd always get this appearance of what looked like a bluish light just shining in that attic area where those beds would have been. Don't know the full story of, of what actually occurred other than what I found in the newspaper clippings. But for me, it was an eye opener that not only did I learn about something that had occurred in that home, but it kind of conditioned some feelings that I was having that something wasn't right. Something wrong had happened in that house. You seem to have, much like your great-grandmother, almost a sixth sense, it seems as though, when, with, with what you've described so far. Have you kept track? Have you kept score? How many first-hand encounters have you had with the paranormal? Obviously, it's going to be relatively decent number because it's not just you living your life. You actually go out and are, you know, ghost hunting, whether it's at James Arthur or going on tours through haunted areas of, of Lincoln. So do you, do you have any idea of how many actual encounters you've had? Uh, I've had quite a few. Um, if we look at my early years in life up to the present moment, and I know this number sounds a little crazy to some people, especially those who don't believe in the paranormal, but I've had probably well over a hundred experiences. And I say that because on uh, quite a few of the tours that I, that I provide, we do have some paranormal experience. Um, sometimes it may be subtle, but it's enough for me to tune in to say, yeah, this is something there that I could say that I can't explain. But also throughout my lifespan, um, like I said, when I really started to pay attention and focus on some of these things. Um, I've had experiences from, like I said, an early age of about nine to 10, all the way through my teenage years, all the way through my adult years. And I'm in my forties at this time. And so I've, I've had quite a few experiences. Have you ever had an experience with a friend or a relative that's no longer with us? I have, I've had a couple actually, so the interesting thing is it may not always be ghosts in nature, but I have had experiences where I actually have a dream. And in my dream, I could see the face of somebody that I know very well. Um, so for examples here, my grandmother who had passed away back in 2020 actually had suffered a stroke. It was a massive stroke. Um, amazingly enough, she survived that stroke, went on to stay at Madonna Rehabilitation Hospital for about six months. She was getting better. We expected a full recovery, but then it was found that she ended up having a perforated bowel. Due to how weak she was with the stroke, we knew that she wasn't going to be able to have surgery, wasn't going to survive. I had a lot of guilty feelings because this was right around the time the pandemic was going on and Mother's Day came 
And the only way we were able to see her was outside her, her window. Um, no, nobody was allowed inside that wasn't a, a patient or a doctor. In that, so we were all supposed to get together to say hello, kind of celebrate Mother's Day, and in this case, Grandmother's Day for her. Um, I was 30 minutes late getting to see her, so I did not get to see her that day. And I felt really sad. At the time, we didn't realize that she was only going to have a few months to live. We didn't know about this perforated valve. Um, a few months later, we did find out about it. The night before she actually passed, I had a dream about her. And in my dream, I was walking into the hospital and I'm walking in and they're wheeling her out in a wheelchair and she looks at me and she smiles. But I could see that she was really tired. And just at that time, they wheeled her back into a room and I didn't get to see her. Um, at that time, I woke up. I felt that I didn't have any time didn't have any time left time time was done she was she was going to go um, i contacted my aunt who was able to actually get in to see her in the hospital at this time just to let her know that i was thinking about her i had learned that she um, actually slipped into a coma it's unconscious and they didn't think she was going to have very much time to live and she passed later that day um, so that's one of the experiences I've had. Another experience I had was with a friend of mine from high school. Uh, again, this occurred in a dream. In this dream, I was back in, in high school. I felt very fearful, though, in this dream. And in my dream, I'm seeing knives. Okay, so this sounds really scary, but I'm seeing knives in my dream. And I have this feeling that somebody was being chased and in my dream i'm taking almost over this character being chased and i'm running and i'm trying to get out of the school i woke up didn't think anything of it and chalk it up to anything but i went to work that morning and when i went and i had my break early in the morning i picked up the lincoln journal star and actually had read that um this person that i knew this friend had actually been a victim of murder. He was stabbed to death. So I hadn't seen him since I was in high school. So it was just kind of a, an interesting dream that I had that reflected everything that had occurred to this person. And so sometimes I feel like in a way it's that subconscious being able to tap in like they're tapping into me. They're letting me know what's going on so I can say my final goodbyes. So I feel that connection very deeply. But I've also had other experiences as well. Um, some of them are very sensitive, so I won't go into all of those experiences just because they're pretty raw and other people who may be listening may, you know, kind of be hurt by those things. So let me ask you this. At what point, so you've had some experiences, you almost seem to get premonitions. And it seems like at times they're, they're sad premonitions where, you know, it's going to be a grandmother passing or an old high school classmate. But at what point in your life did you decide, you know what, I want to learn more about this, not only from my own fascination and my experiences, but I want to get involved. I want to start giving tours. I want to start learning more and sharing what I've had happened to me 
with others? How, how did you finally get to the point where you're like, I, I need to go do this and share this with other people? So I actually started working for a company called Spirit Expeditions. They are based in Salem, Oregon. Um, and that was giving uh, walking tours. I started out actually downtown Omaha. Uh, so they were looking for subcontractors that had paranormal backgrounds. Um, by this time, I had already researched and was learning about the paranormal. So I had some of that experience. Um, so I decided to go ahead and give some of these tours. I instantly, instantly um, just fell in awe with the tours, um, talking to people about the paranormal, sharing the history of the locations that we visited. And from there, at the time, a lot of the information was scripted by the company that I worked for. So they really didn't have a whole lot of information about Nebraska, uh, especially about the paranormal, but it was more about urban legends that you would hear just kind of across the country. I didn't feel like it was a very personal experience to really just delve just into their urban legends. And so I would do research. I would look up information about the locations I would take people to. Uh, learn about stories that actually happened in Nebraska, um, specifically in a specific location. I quickly ended up going from Omaha to Lincoln, where, where I've actually lived. I'm a native of Lincoln. And so I felt more connected to Lincoln, more connected to the history and the stories behind some of the paranormal uh, locations in Lincoln. In that, I was able to talk about the paranormal happenings and locations in the history, but also talk to guests about some of my personal experiences, as well as allowing them to talk about experiences that they've had as well. And that it, it grew to be much more than I ever envisioned. You know, I thought this was just basically going to be a hobby. The company that I had worked for, um, Spirit Expeditions, actually went bankrupt. But I realized I had a love for what I was doing and I wanted to keep doing what I was doing. And individuals had purchased tickets already for upcoming events and I just couldn't say, you know what, sorry, I can't make good on that. And so I continued to give the tours. And then I researched and I talked to businesses in the Lincoln area and I decided to do some expansion, kind of change things up and really bring the Lincoln community together because for me, that was important. Uh, Lincoln was my home. And so I wanted to make it more of a community feel. Uh, in that, it wasn't just about the paranormal anymore, but it was about finding ways to bring the Lincoln Lights together, to find other things to do in the community, but also learning about other businesses, talking to owners, finding out that they've had paranormal experiences. I was able to find a way to bring guests into these businesses so then they were able to also bring in new customers but also i was able to utilize the profits in helping families that were need in the community as well um, so it was really more founded on a community sense but also really focusing on something that i really enjoyed and so that's how the lincoln historical ghost quest came to be uh, the other company goes bankrupt and you wind up probably more successful than they've been because obviously you're still around. Now, you do tours through the Haymarket, the state capitol neighborhood, out at James Arthur, obviously some private ones as well. Would you please share a story or two of the best experiences that you or somebody on those tours have had over the years? 
there's a couple of them I could talk about. So Billy's Restaurant, that's another one that we've done tours in as well. Um, so that was just really learning about uh, some of the paranormal as well as history. So what I really do is I tie in the history to paranormal happening. So Billy's Restaurant actually has a lot of history in that, um, which guests get to learn on the tours. So some of the paranormal things that happened here is the owner has himself experienced some paranormal experiences, um, which he will share on the tours that we bring guests into. But also the, some of the guests that I brought people into or had brought into have also experienced some paranormal, not so positive. So this is one place that I would say we had some negative experiences and more than one guest on the tour had experienced that. Um, on a specific one, I had a tour guide who used to do these tours with me. She had been with me for probably about six months, really knew what she was doing, was very good at what she did. Didn't really have much of a fear. She just delved right in and just uh, really seemed to fit her very well with uh, exploring the paranormal. Um, this particular night that we went in, we did the normal investigation inside Billy's. Um, we had quite a few experience on this, on this night. The first experience was I was downstairs in the basement area and I had felt like something had touched me on the backside. There was nobody that was right next to me and it was completely dark because a lot of these tours we actually do in the dark. Um, so I couldn't really see what was going on, but I did have some of my equipment that was sitting on a table. I had my phone that was recording as well as some other pieces of devices that I use. And my phone had actually lifted off the table, fell down and shattered, uh, completely shattered and broke. Um, so I had the touching of the backside and then that occurred. You know, I try not to freak out, I guess, so to speak, over little, little things. <laughs> and so interestingly, there was another uh, woman that was on a tour that night uh, downstairs in the basement who also claimed that she was touched by something on her wrist. We went upstairs to do an investigation in the attic. At this time, we did our group mini investigation. Everybody had their dousing rods. So we were standing in a circle asking questions with the dousing rods just to see if we were able to make any type of communication. The tour guide who was with me was holding her rods and she went to ask, is there anybody here that means to do us harm? At that time, she felt a shock in her, her hands where she was holding the rods. Ironically, we have the tubing at the ends of the rods to protect our hands and not to transfer any of our energy into the rods and vice versa. Uh, at the time, the rods fell straight to the floor, which is ironic. There was no lightning or anything like that that we can account for of why she would have got shocked. But as we were leaving, we all felt a sense of heaviness and just anxiety in, at that time. Um, it's kind of that feeling that there's somebody there that isn't good, that means to possibly do you harm. You could feel that. I believe you can feel that energy, that negative energy. Um, and I know that other people had also felt that there. As we were going down the stairs, uh, the tour guide had actually fell down the stairs. Uh, it was enough to really shake her up, rattle her up. 
um, and then we, we left for the night. But she contacted me later and said, Ronnie, I can't do these tours anymore. She, I just feel like something negative attached itself to me, and I just I can't do it anymore. I don't want to do these anymore. And I thought, okay, okay, well, what are you doing to protect yourself? Because we talk about things that we can do after tours that help us to remain safe, that nothing attaches itself. Because there is belief that sometimes negative entities or energies could possibly attach themselves. So what do we do? So I talked to her about some of those things, and I didn't really hear from her much after that. But a few days later, the owner, Nodder, had actually fallen down the basement stairs and it was a bad fall. It was enough to where he broke his back. Uh, it was pretty bad. However, he has confided in me as well as other people that he felt like he was actually pushed forcefully by something he couldn't see down those stairs. So we had a lot of negative experiences there. I will say though, the last year, we really haven't had a lot of paranormal activity um, we do know that there have been what they call mediums uh, or psychics that were able to go in and actually sage and cleanse the area, which we believe has is the reason why there's been reduced activity there. Was there negative energy or negative activity, paranormal activity? We've experienced them firsthand, but I'm not going to say 100% definite that it was a ghost. <laughs> and that is something that I will always tell my guests. That's bizarre. That's so compelling because Billy's, I mean, aside from having fantastic food, the stories that you hear uh, are that the building is haunted. We'll be back with more right after this. For all of your concrete needs, call Kramer Concrete at 402-560-0670. Do you have a cracked driveway or sidewalk? Are you in need of an egress window or an awesome looking new patio with stamped concrete? If so, call Tim Kramer at 402-560-0670 to get a free estimate. With over 20 years of experience, the Kramer Concrete staff specializes in concrete replacement, egress windows, and concrete patio design. Kramer Concrete is the low-cost solution to all of your concrete problems. Call Tim today at 402-560-0670. Every Sunday evening from 5 to 7 on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Tune in for the Husker Rewind with myself, Mike Melby, and my co-host, Tom Stevens. We'll have all of the latest on the Huskers, plus other happenings going on in the sports world. That's the Husker Rewind. Sunday evenings from 5 to 7 on 93.7 The Ticket. Thank you for listening to another edition of Nebraska Gems. We hope you're enjoying the episode. Don't forget to check out our latest feature, Quick Gems, where our guests share a few shorter stories that we think you'll find entertaining. You can find those and all of our episodes at NebraskaGems.com. And now back for more great stories on this episode of Nebraska Gems. You mentioned equipment. You mentioned dousing rods. What types of equipment do you use? And can you explain for everyone exactly what dousing rods are and what you glean from them? Yeah. So um, we use dousing rods, which is the easiest to use on the tours. Um, we want portable equipment as we tend to do quite a walking, especially on the walking tours. So with dousing rods, uh, witching sticks, uh, divining rods, they were actually used um, for generations as tools to find water and other electrical sources. Many different professions have used them, but we see them being used by farmers or ranchers that have, were looking for underground water systems. 
And from what we understand, they are actually very good from being able to find those sources. We have a lot of farmers that will collaborate that they you do use them still to this day. They're not the only professions that use them. Uh, we've also heard that police officers have used them to find missing persons. We have heard that in some of the wars, they were used to find underground mines. They are very good, especially the copper wires that we use tend to be very uh, conducive to electrical sources. Uh, we use them for ghost hunting in the fact that they're supposed to be sensitive to what's called electromagnetic field energy. Um, and that is just one theory of how ghosts are able to manifest. Um, it is believed what ghosts are made of um, as well as absorb. So with these tools, we use them to not only locate a possible entity, but also to be able to use to communicate by asking questions, um, yes or no questions. So the tools are very, they can be very good at picking up energy sources, but they're limited to a lot of times yes or no questions just with the dousing rods. But they're very easy to use and our guests have a lot of fun with them. When I was on the tour with you out at James Arthur Vineyards uh, a couple of weeks ago, there was a young lady, and I believe her name was Amy, and you were using a different piece of equipment with some lights on it. Can you explain what that was? And do you remember what I'm talking about where she, she kind of had some words pop up on the screen on her phone that, that meant something to her? So we also use what's called an EMF detector. So that detects also electromagnetic field energy. With this device, you can see when we pick up an energy spike. Um, and so there's quite a few EMF detectors. So each one looks a little differently. I have three different ones that we can use on the tours. Uh, the one that you're talking about specifically um, is a very easy one to use. Uh, it's my favorite, it's more sensitive, but it's very clear cut. You don't have an actual needle with some of them that shows how strong the EMF energy is but it lights up to how strong of a reading you get. So there's no needle to try to pinpoint things. You can also ask it uh, questions, yes or no. Uh, usually when you get yes answers, it clearly lights up higher. Um, so you'll get more of the red um, lights going off. So what had occurred with her was we were using the EMF detector quite a bit that night but only one area we were actually getting a lot of activity with that. And it happened to be close to Amy. Amy was the only person that we were able to get close to, to get any type of readings. Interestingly, you know, as we're talking and asking questions, is there somebody here we can't see? Is there, do you want us to communicate with you? Can you let us know that you're here? Uh, we got a lot of activity on the EMF detector. Upon just kind of doing some investigating and learning information, it was found out that Amy had actually had a father who had passed 22 years ago, I believe it was, and that was his anniversary date. It was pretty significant. She really didn't want to show a lot of emotions, but you can definitely tell that it was something that was getting to her. The people that came with her as a group knew in, instantly that it had to been her father. They knew it. 
from what I understand, it didn't sound like maybe there was much closure with her and her father. And so we believe that that was meant to happen for some closure to take place. Well, and I'll be honest, when Tracy and I were standing where we were probably 15 feet away, there was one of her friends that kind of lost her mind uh, and was jumping around, you know, a little overexcited. Couldn't have been the wine, I'm sure. But (laughs) it was pretty obvious that Amy was shook up. She had the opportunity. I think it would have been one of those where she may have gone to a different room for a few minutes to collect herself. But she she did a nice job of kind of playing it off. But it, it, it was obvious to me that she was really moved by what had just happened. Yeah. So one thing that we've noticed, too, on the tours is we've helped quite a few people find that closure just with utilizing our equipment that is picking up some of the readings. A lot of times we will find that it is just one person on the tour that we may be getting a lot of activity on the devices. Um, there seems to be a pull to that person. Dowsing rods may seem to pull to that person. EMF detectors, spirit boxes that we're using, um, EVPs, so devices that detects EVPs. So in all the equipment, we will get maybe one or two people on the tours where we're getting a lot of activity. In that, one of the things, you know, you asked me earlier if, we, if I've ever had experience with friends or loved ones. We do find on the tours when we're getting activity and it seems to be, you know, uh, around a specific person, that there had been somebody in that person's life that was significant that had passed on and that they didn't get closure, um, like a sudden death. Or maybe there were some hardships in the relationship towards the end. But for whatever reason, there was not that closure. And we do feel that on the tours, we get people who end up getting that closure. I've had numerous people say, oh my gosh, you know, I I thought that this person has had been around me. Like they're my guardian angel, like they're watching over me. I feel them near me all the time or these things are happening and I can't explain. And I've always thought it had to have been this person. Well, with utilizing the equipment, we're able to ask those questions and to figure out exactly what is going on. And people do. We've had people on our tours actually cry, happy tears, uh, because they've lived years of their life not being able to have a closure with a loved one or a friend that has passed on. But all of a sudden, what they were experiencing at home, we're able to show that, and they're able to prove that they are having these experiences. And so to them, it just conditions their experiences as well. Okay, so I want to buy an EMF detector. Do I go to Amazon? You can. I will tell you my favorite EMF detector I actually bought from Ghost Stoppers. It's a store in St. Augustine. Uh, You can buy equipment online. I've been to St. Augustine, so I've actually been to the store personally, but there's tons of equipment on Ghost Stoppers. That's probably one of my favorite places to buy equipment. Very reliable. They are made for ghost hunting. Um, Some of the equipment you will buy online, it can be used for a variety of things. It may not be specifically for ghost hunting, but you can buy EMF detectors online. Uh, The Ghost Meter and the Ghost Meter Pro is another one that I use on the tours. You can buy those off Amazon. And then there's Mel Readers as well. They do the same thing. We've talked about some people that have had some interesting experiences on the tours. 
Have you ever had a skeptic come on tour and they, they decide that the night needs to be about them proving you wrong? We get a lot of skeptics on the on the tours. It's usually they're accompanied by their girlfriends uh, that are very strong believers in the paranormal. And so it's almost like they get dragged there, not really wanting to be there. But, you know, my job isn't really to persuade people a certain way, but rather talk about, you know, the history, the scientific information that is out there because i think that's very important when you do delve into you know the paranormal um what are the science out there what are they saying you know and the one things that i tell people is right now there's not enough science to either say that the paranormal exists or not so then it's kind of left to us so you're going to get a lot of skeptics because they want that definitive proof well we may not always be able to give that definitive proof, but what we can do is we can talk about it. Hopefully you have an open mind, um, utilize our, our tools and just have fun on the tours and just see what happens. But um, we have had some skeptics come on the tours and we've had some paranormal activity actually happen and they're just in disbelief. They're not able to make sense of what has happened. A good example is we, it was actually another time we were doing the walking tour and we ended at Billy's restaurant. We didn't go inside. So the walking tour, we don't go inside. We just visit four different locations and we talk about the history and the paranormal. And on our um, EMF detector, we were getting a lot of hits, but also our EVP, um, which we use quite often. Um, we also use a phone app, which is free. It's fun. But sometimes we actually get some pretty good information that really ties into things that have occurred in the environment or the person's life. So for this particular tour, we were using our Ghost Radar Classic, and it is something you can download on your phone for free. And uh, we were getting a lot of words popping up. The This gentleman on the tour that night, you could just see his expressions like, oh my goodness. But what really caught him was the word gun popped up on the ghost radar. Um, so you can use it as an EVP as well as an EMF. So it does both at the same time. Uh, it acts as an EVP. It uses the radio frequencies of broadcasting that you get through cellular devices. And then it has a built-in dictionary. So not only do you hear the word, but you can see it because it'll pop up on your phone. So we got the word gun. And this gentleman clearly was shaken up. I found out that this was actually an undercover cop that was carrying a gun. And so he didn't understand how this would have known that. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> so... It was pretty interesting. So that's just one experience a skeptic by the end of the night turned into a believer. That's fantastic. Now, if somebody is interested in getting a hold of you to go on a tour, maybe one you've already got scheduled or to set up a private ghost hunting adventure, how do they get a hold of you? The best ways is probably through my email address. And that is at lincolnhistoricalghostquest at gmail.com. They can try to get a hold of me through my Facebook webpage at Lincoln Historical Ghost Quest. Uh, I may not always check that. So I would say the best way is to get a hold of me is email. And people can also call me. My phone number is 
890-5064. So I use that as both a private and business phone. So if I'm answering the phone and I say hello, but not Lincoln Historical Ghost Quest, that's okay. It's still me on the other end of the line. <laughs> Makes sense. Now, are you a big fan of Halloween? I definitely used to be, yes. Uh, so Halloween was a time that we really shared with family members. Uh, the story that I told you about my grandmother, uh, the one that I had the dream about, we used to always go to her house when we were children. And I remember from a very young age, just dressing up. I had a lot of cousins my age, and so we'd all go over there, and she would always have her big pot of chili and big pot potato soup. And we would go and we would eat. And then the adults, so my aunts and my parents would all take us out trick-or-treating. And since then, some of those memories early on has really stuck with me. I try to repeat them year after year after year, but obviously nothing beats Halloween when you're a child. It's a lot more fun. But I do like Halloween in the sense that I feel like it gives us a free pass to think about crazy things, about scary horror things without really being kind of looked at as crazy. So it gives us that time to be free to be who we really are, you know, for those who believe in the paranormal. Now, I got to ask, were you thrilled to hear that Beetlejuice 2 will be coming out in a couple of years? I am. I remember the first Beetlejuice movie. It was a little different, but I actually enjoyed it. I remember watching it when I was a kid. So I will be really interested in watching Beetlejuice 2, just to have to compare to the original. It probably is not going to be anything like the original. Nothing is like the originals. Okay, so Hocus Pocus 2 came out about a month ago. Did you watch it? Were you a fan of, of Hocus Pocus? You know, I have not watched that show. Not the second one. The first one I did... So something about the first one didn't really click with me. And so I hadn't really had an interest in the second one. To be honest, a lot of the shows that I do like really have, I'm not really much into the dramatic themes of anything scary or paranormal. I like the really scary stuff. So we're talking like Exorcist, right? That poltergeist. Yep. <laughs> Well, and I can tell you this, I have seen Hocus Pocus 2, and I actually, I was not a huge fan of Hocus Pocus, but Hocus Pocus 2 to me is far more interesting and funnier. So there's it, that. To me, it's worth the 90 minutes. Well, I will check it out. Just because you say it's worth 90 minutes, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to check it out. The way they tie the stories together, I think, is fantastic. We've talked mainly about Lincoln, and I know that you focus on Lincoln, but what are some of the other places in Nebraska that you've heard of or possibly have investigated? that you feel may be haunted or have par paranormal activity? Well, this is an interesting question because I feel like every city, every town has had some sort of claims of paranormal activity. You'll hear residents always talk about there being a specific place, whether it be a cemetery or usually high schools seem to be a big thing as well, or old hospitals. So I hear stories a lot from people. Have you visited the Seven Sisters Road or have you visited Hummel Park? You know, those are some of the areas around here. Um, Nebraska City supposedly has claims. Uh, quite a few different um, cemeteries around the state. There's Ballsack Cemetery. I've heard a lot of claims of. Um, yeah, and, and I shared with you an experience that I had at Gilbert Cemetery in Saline County that, that 
bottom line freaked me the hell out. Uh, it was amazing, uh, but I, I kind of want to go back because nobody got hurt. But it, it was kind of a creepy experience. Yeah, it's definitely one of those. Just after talking to you, I would definitely wouldn't mind investigating just to see if we can capture anything on some of our equipment. I know a lot of times when you don't, you're not prepared and you have a experience, and you're trying to make sense of it. Like, did what's going on here? Having that equipment really does help. Well, I can tell you this, if you do ever decide to go to Gilbert Cemetery and do an investigation, I would greatly appreciate an invitation to go with you, because I think it would be fantastic to have the equipment that you have and try to figure out what we can figure out there. Definitely. I would love to do that. It'd be good to have someone by my side doing these investigations. Um, I do have one tour guide. She has been with me since... Uh, later on in 2015, I talked about I had one tour guide, and then after she left, I found another. Um, she actually works for the Nebraska Historical Society as a preservation specialist. I wish she could join us tonight. She knows a lot of history about Nebraska, and so she's kind of my historian. But she's been with me since she was 17 years old, very passionate about the paranormal and about the history of Nebraska, really loves Nebraska. She could probably tell you anything about Nebraska <laughs> history. And so she also is one that has gone on some of the investigations with me. Definitely a lot of the tours we do together. So she would also be a good person to go do the Gilbert Cemetery with. I, I, I actually have a couple of friends that have said, well, if, if you throw that out to her and she says she's going to do it, call me. I will come too. This sounds interesting. Make it so, exactly. We, we've kind of gotten down to, to the end of the interview and we like to do some rapid fire stuff. Sometimes the rapid fire questions spark a story. Sometimes they're just fun. Whatever they wind up working out as for you is perfectly fine. So what was your first actual paying job? Uh, Burger King. Many other people have that same first job. <laughs> what is your favorite word? Ironically. That is so ironic. <laughs> oh, hanging fruit there. I'm sorry. Uh, what is your favorite holiday? Uh, that would be Thanksgiving. What is the best Halloween costume that you ever wore? Hmm. I would say probably my devil's costume. I don't know what it was. I thought I looked pretty darn neat in that devil's costume. Nice. If you could change your first name, you've got an unusual first name, Ronnie, R-O-N-N-I. If you could change it, what would you change it to? Oh, good question. You know, I love my name. It's unique, and I like everything that's different and unique. I, would, I probably wouldn't change it, honestly. I have asked that question to three people. No one will change their name. So <laughs> I, I'm a guy named Mike. 80 billion people are named Mike. So I'm like, I, I would change it. So what is the dumbest or craziest dare you ever took? Good question. I would probably say I was a pretty risky teenager back then. So this is going to relate to a story. And this kind of relates, I guess, something paranormal. That would be, I was with a couple of my friends and we decided just to go for a drive. Uh, my friend just got her driver's license. So we were just 16, barely 16. And I had lived off onto a country road on the outskirts of Lincoln at this time. 
and there's that highway that leads to the Eagle area from, so you got O street down to the Eagle area. And we decided that, well, she decided she was going to drive about a hundred miles an hour down this highway. And we were getting close to where my turn was, which is off of gravel road. So she tried to make that turn and we're having a good time. So I have my head sticking out the car window. I don't have my seatbelts on and we're just hop, you know, hollering, hooting and she wrecks. And she wrecks into a ditch. Most people would have gotten thrown out of the vehicle, right? Your head and your shoulders, everything is out the car window and you hit a ditch head on. And I didn't. I stayed intact in the car. I didn't have a scratch on me. And we were inches away from hitting from a gas pipeline. I truly felt like I was saved. Um, I felt like my guardian angel was there that day. Uh, I talked to you earlier about my great-grandmother, and I've always felt the presence of my great-grandmother, and I do feel like she was there that day. It was pretty risky and bold, definitely. Yeah, yeah I, I know the road, and there may have been a time or two I have driven 100 miles an hour, although I did not try to make any turns at a high speed. So, <laughs> uh, What movie do you find yourself quoting the most? Oh, uh, yeah. Ironic. Okay. I about said ironically, the Terminator, I'll be back. Really? Yeah. I don't know why that sticks to me, but it always has. And I'll even do the little voice. I'll be back. <laughs> and so it, it's just something that I've done for, for quite a few years. It's fantastic. Do you have a hidden talent? Hidden talents. Aside from being able to communicate with ghosts. I do. I'm very, 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 very flexible. I have double jointed uh, elbows. So being able to bend things back, that would probably would freak out most people. <laughs> they would think that I was possessed by a demon. But uh, just uh, very bendable. What game show, any time frame, would you want to be on the most? Will of Fortune. Do you have a bucket list? And if so, what is the number one thing on it? To go to Rome. I love the history surrounding it. So that is my number one thing that I want to do. Ronnie Willis of Lincoln Historical Ghost Quest. Thank you so much for joining me on this episode of Nebraska Gems. All right. Thank you.